and welcome to Challenges That Change Us, the podcast where we talk to our guests about how their challenges have impacted them today and how they overcame them. Whether you are someone that feels like you are thriving right now, trudging through the mud or somewhere in between, this podcast is designed to give you practical advice, profound insight into your own experience and inspire you to embrace your life. My name is Ali Flynn, the co-founder and CEO of Tri Altitude Performance, and I will be your host. It's time to buckle up your seatbelts and let's get this ball rolling. Welcome back, everyone. I hope you're having a great week and have found some time to do something firstly for yourself, something that pumps your tires and helps you feel centered and alive. And secondly, I hope you found some time to acknowledge the people in your world that mean so much to you. It's easy for us to forget and acknowledge the people we love the most and that we see daily. The good news is it's not too late for today. You can still do something little for them, a kind word, a gift, a cuddle, even just look them in the eyes and truly see them. Today, I'd like to introduce you to Kamal. This guest holds a very special place in my heart. He's taught me just about everything I know to do with business. Kamal is a business coach for small to medium-sized business owners and third-generation business owner himself. He's a father of two beautiful children, and his style and charisma is one of a kind. The first 20 minutes of this episode, we talk about business and mindset around problem solving and spot fires. And in the second half of the episode, Cam discusses his challenges with bullying as a young child and how that has impacted him today. We talk about how important it is for all of us, including men, to do some inner work so that we are less triggered and reactive to the external environment. Bullying is something that can happen at any age. A study reported one in four Australians experience bullying. So if you are being bullied, I want you to know that you are not alone. There are lots of reasons why someone might bully someone else. But whatever the reason, bullying is never okay. We talked to Cam about some of the side effects of bullying, such as having trouble sleeping, having trouble concentrating, feeling down on yourself, the impact it can have on your work, as well as many people's experiences of feeling unsafe and afraid. Bullying can impact someone for a really long time. If you are experiencing bullying, there is something you can do. Reach out to someone you feel safe talking to. Call a helpline like Lifeline or Kids Helpline and talk through the options. There are some really great resources online and professional help out there if needed. Kids Helpline number is 1-800-551-800. I think as parents, we can all have this number tucked away for each of our children just in case they want to talk to someone outside of our family or home. Sometimes they might not even be able to tell us that they need to talk to someone. So the simple act of popping this number on a little card or on a little piece of paper and giving it to your child to pop in a safe place might be just the strategy they need one day when they are struggling, feeling alone, or perhaps it may even save their life. Okay, and now let me introduce you to Cam for this episode this week. Welcome, Cam, to the show. Hey, Ali. Thanks for having me. I like to start our podcast with getting to know you a little bit on the quirky side. So my first question for you today is if you were to use an animal to describe you, what animal would that be? Oh, what animal would I describe myself? Which is an interesting question. Lion would be the animal right now. And that wouldn't have been the same animal, you know, only only maybe a year ago. I feel like uh, definitely, definitely the last... 
three years and then especially in the last year there's been so much growth personal internal work that's been going on and uh the the king has really risen and the lion has come forth and so there's a sense of comfort and certainty within self that's come up there's the strength that's there that doesn't need to be shown all the time now there's a softness there's a so the animal uh the animal's definitely the lion right now that's really interesting because I was thinking about it before you came on. For those that don't know, Cam has been in my life for many, many years. Um, he was my coach for many years and so I know him quite well, but I wrote down big cat. Big big pussy yeah, cat. Yeah, I was like, I don't know which big cat, but definitely a big cat um, for the same reasons and that was what I was thinking about. It's that ability to come out and defend and be fierce and be determined but matched with the softness and the caring and the pack kind of mentality. Like one thing that I know about you is how loyal you are and how much you protect your own, whether mm. that be clients that you work with or your family, but you kind of have this fierce boundary that sits around you and the people that are in your world. Which is interesting and I'll share them if you like but there's three questions that I ask any prospect before I invite them to be a client and those questions are all around being really really specific and being very careful who I work with because what I've learned is that when you, you, you're not a client once you pay you stop being a client mm-hmm. and your family and I really protect that fiercely and, and really look after the people who are working with and so I've had to actually ask those questions now to protect myself from people who just want to, they just want to come in suck the energy and go yeah there's been a really big transformation happen uh, that's especially interesting and that's so. i can imagine that's a hard thing to draw out of people initially to kind of work out whether it's a match or not is that can you do that in question style or oh, do you normally it. do that over the phone yep no i've nailed it 100 percent. so there's actually five questions that i ask three i ask outwardly two i ask internally and i'm like i'm answering this first question in my mind in the first minute of meeting the person like really trusting the energetic vibe and, and being able to read and feel into people now uh, and so I get that. I've got that kind of sixth sense that I'm answering the first question, the three questions I ask out loud, and then the last question is one that I ask myself again right at the very end of the process just before I invite them to come, come on board as a client. Mm. Yeah. So interesting, isn't it? Mm. And, you know, over time being able to develop that. What would your children say if I was to ask your two little kids – what animal would they describe you as? Oh, I don't know if they'd say an animal. Well, some will tell you how cool my car is, <laughs> my, big, my big orange <laughs> truck. What a really great question, Isles, that I'm completely unprepared for. So, um, Mate, I didn't I th- give you all the questions. Did no, you think this, you were going to get the good. list? No, I should have known. I should have known. <laughs> so if I, was, if I was to put myself in Eli's shoes, Eli's my son, my gorgeous eight-year-old boy, he'd probably say cheeky monkey. He'd he would see that. They get a lot of the fun um, and a lot of the wrestling and the tickle play. I don't know if he'd call me a gorilla because they get the discipline, but I think I think the monkey would be yeah. how he'd describe it. Genevieve would probably call me a unicorn because pretty much everything's a unicorn and uh, what, a, what, a, what a privilege. <laughs> Doesn't matter who you are. What a wonderful <laughs> way to walk in the world. Let's hope we can harness that for her teenage years as well, you know. Imagine if the world was a unicorn place forever. Oh, my gosh. And just saying it out loud, I, was, I don't know if you know the power of that question. But now I have to live up to that. You know what a great what a great uh, impetus for a, for a father to step up and show up in the world. Got to be that unicorn. And Kamal, one of the other questions that I ask, and this often draws out interesting context and information about someone, is what was your favourite room growing up, and what was it about that? Wow, this is interesting. So my favourite room, I just basically lived 
With my grandparents, mum and dad had restaurants growing up, so they worked nights and I pretty much stayed with my grandparents and grew up behind the family supermarket. And my favorite room was actually the office. It was uh, literally the door in the lounge room opened up to behind the cash register and the counter in the shop. So that was literally my life growing up. And just to the left of that was actually the office and there was something really sacred about that to me and I loved I actually loved being in there it had the safe in it and it had my grandfather's old desk in it and there was still a bed in there because it was used as a bedroom for visitors as well and then the filing cabinets were in there and it was really messy but it was kind of a hub and the family was so central around the business like it was such an integral part it kind of embodied everything that we were about you know it was it was a business running out of a family home and it was operated like a business but then you could sleep in there as well and it was a uh, I was just I remember the smell I remember the code of the safe and I'm talking from 35 years ago I could still you know if that was if we were still using that one at the moment I remember that and it's just there's so many wonderful energies and and memories inside of that room. I was going to say, it's almost when you talk about it, I hear it's about the energy that was in that room. Not, you know, the memories were there as well, but it's really that when you walk in, how you felt and what it meant and, you know, the bigger picture to your whole family. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, business was so integral in every conversation around the dinner table where we're talking about it. It's, you know, which I was just benign to at the time, but what a privilege now and money conversations and business conversations be, just come and flow so easily now because that's been the background. And uh, it was kind of the hub where everything was created from as far as the business goes. And whenever we're in there working on the business, we're in there as a family as well. So just this, yeah. Out of curiosity, listening to you say that, have you replicated that in your world now? Well, kind of, I suppose. Yeah, we, we talk very openly. My children and I talk very openly. They get um, $10 every week and they get 10 $1 coins and we have three jars. One of them is the 10% jar, so one coin goes in the charity jar and then four coins go in the save and invest and they know what it means to save and invest. Um, Eli wants to actually run a garage sale and he wants to get stuff from the op shop to sell and um, like this is, uh, and it's not, you know, not forced it's on It's kind of there every day. It becomes part of their every day. And so, and then the rest goes into their spending and they can spend it on whatever they want. And there's a, those jars happen to sit in my office. I'm recording from my office now. And, you know, it's part of the home. I've, I, I used to have a separate office, but now it's all integrated again. And I suppose, yes, it's now replicated here. I got that question from a, a marriage counseling workshop that we did before we got married. As Catholics, you've got to go in and do some sort of like a six week course or a weekend workshop. And I remember them asking us that. And it was so interesting to kind of dive deep into what was it about that room and then how do you the next question was how do you implement that when going forwards as a couple bringing your family in so it can be a really nice reflection piece and to see how you can integrate that feeling and that same sense of safety and security and like hub into your world now yeah, really interesting. And my partner, my beautiful partner who have just moved in with as well, luckily we're in a place that's big enough where we can both have our own office and we've been working with her to set up her office as well. It's a very different space to mine, but it's that it's that hub and that sanctuary. And so we kind of both in our own home have a place that we both feel comfortable going into, but then also is a little bit ours as well. And it's just there's this perfect balance of it's for everyone, but then it's also your own sanctuary if you need it. So mm. something's worked really well with that. 
So listening to you talk, Cam, it sounds like business has obviously been a part of your world from a very young age. Is that what got you into business now? Is that something that as a child and teenager into a young adult, you're always like, man, this is my, this is my jam. I want to be in business. I want to coach people. Or is that something that has happened later in life? Yeah. I mean, you, you, you kind of asked the question. I was like, it's a choice and it was never a choice. And people say, do what you love and the money will follow. And you got to find your passion and you've got to, I never looked for this. It was just so ingrained. I don't have a choice. This, I just, there's such a love for it. There's such a, um, a natural affinity towards it. I went off and studied PE teaching after school because there was always a conversation where you got to get educated, you got to go to university. I'm like, oh, well, what am I going to do at uni? I went and studied PE teaching. Let me tell you, I didn't last very long as an outdoor ed and PE teacher. But even when I was working as a PE teacher, I I would had the fitness business going and I'd get up at five in the morning and run my morning sessions, then go to school and then work all day as a teacher and then after school race back home and then get my clients started and then run into the night with that. I don't remember ever having a time in my life where I wasn't operating a business ever since I was mm. 14 or 15 years old. It's just, it's not a choice. It just shines through in your work every day. I mean, I know in the time that I worked with you, it's just... I have not met a lot of people in my life. I've met a lot of people in my life, but I've not met a lot of people that really truly walk the line of what they are so passionate about that their work is their life, but with joy and love and acceptance and everything about it is just you wake up, bounce out of bed. It doesn't mean that business doesn't get hard and there's not challenges, but at the end of the day, your why is so strong and your passion is so strong that that is what can pull you through some of those hard times in business. Yeah, look, absolutely. And I say this to clients all the time. You, you know, clients are experiencing problems and I've got my client's program, which is to to get people in their programs up to their first sort of 10K a month in sales. And they come across very specific and predictable problems at predictable times in their journey. And then you, you go from that and people transcend into our Ascension program. And in there, there are people doing 40, 50, you know, $60,000 a month. Well, the problems to some Someone doing 8K, 10K a month, 50K a month is the moon and that's a lot of money and oh my God, all my problems will be solved, but that's not the case. You get different problems. When you solve one problem in business, you get the gift of the next problem and that's mm. where, and these problems at $1,000 a month or a million dollars a month, you know, I've got friends doing 30, 40 million a year in their business as well. Guess what? Still got problems. So we don't ever have a business with no problems. We just get better at dealing with them. It's all about the person. Absolutely. My husband said to me the other day, he's starting to come into business and he just said, oh, I don't think I want to be in that firing line of all the spot fires. And I was like, oh, that's business. You know, that is business. Business is problem solving on a daily basis. And it's interesting listening to you talk about the two different programs that you're running at the moment. So the first program you talked about is where you work with a group of clients when they're in startup, do you mean? Yeah, so we've got a lot of therapists and practitioners and they or people that have done one-on-one -on -one coaching and we transition them and help them develop a program that's their own unique signature system, something that actually is theirs and, and we unpack their IP and teach them exactly how to do that and then how to take it to market. And, you know, consistently what happens there is we have people who've spent years and years and years selling time for money in one-on-one, -on -one, uh, now actually running group-based programs, putting more people in it 
better than they've ever worked with before. They make a lot more financially, so it's a much more financially viable business. Um, they're able to impact a lot more lives and they're doing it in such a way that in order for them to make an extra dollar, they don't have to work one extra minute because it's a scalable uh, a scalable business model. So they can put 10 people in or 100 people in. Well, their impact increases and their time taken to deliver doesn't change one bit. Um, and so it's a really, uh, it's kind of the culmination of everything I've learned and studied and implemented over, you know, 30 years of doing this. And multiple businesses. It, I'd imagine that some of the clients struggle to go from that one-on-one to group though. Do you find that, that that's one of the hurdles? Yeah, here's the thing, you know, think about think about your child learning to walk and as they're, as they're walking along or running along a path, you can see there's a bit of gravel on the road in front of them they're likely to hit the gravel and trip over and skin their knee. You can see it. They don't know it's coming. They've never experienced it before. And then further ahead, there might be a big concrete staircase. Well, they don't know. And so they're just going to run and fall and skin their knee if you let them or run and fall down a big staircase. And so when you talk about that in this context, when someone's at startup and they're doing one-on-one and they want to go and do group sessions or they're having these initial conversations, that's what I see. I can see everything that it's an almost certain predictable future that's right in front of them and so the excuses or the limiting beliefs that they'll come up with i've heard them all before you know i've been i've worked with over 2000 business owners in in a decade of coaching and uh, there's not much that i haven't heard so yes they'll come to me with oh but you can't have as much impact if it's not one on one well let's just you know and i ask people i say are you asking me that or are you telling me that because you know the reality is very different and so the journey as far as what their objections or their limiting beliefs might be that's the gravel and i can see it coming a mile away in fact i cut people off they don't finish asking the question a lot of the time because you can see that it's happening and so There are moments in the journey where I'm going to let you fall and skin your knee because that's, you know, it's predictable and it's going to hurt, but it's part of a big part of the learning process. But then the beauty of this style of coaching is I can also see when the concrete stairs coming up and I'm never going to let my child fall down concrete stairs. So when there's a big thing coming up in front of you, uh, I can actually just kind of grab you and, and hold your hand and take you down those stairs instead of just letting you sort of tumble down. So this is where... The business isn't the passion, Arles. Business is just everything that I know hardwired in the DNA. But the teaching and the coaching, that's the thing that I'm really passionate about. And so that's why I love so much when people come with objections or when people come with problems. I really, really love that because it's a big problem to them. But to me, it's so just fundamental and easy to easy to work around. And when I can do that with people, we collapse their trial and error time. You know, it's just you don't have to spend 10 years working it out. You can do it in six months. Yeah, and I really love there where you talk about, you know, they might fall over and skin their knee and that's okay because in counselling we talk about that as well. Sometimes you need to fall over to get up. That is the learning process. But what I can hear in coaching, it's like you've always got that overview though you're watching that it's just a skin of the knee it's not like they're not going to run into those stairs or absolutely and I think that's one of my experiences working with you for so many years is that's how I always described it you pushed when I needed to be pushed held me accountable toe to toe every single day of the week except when I needed a cuddle and that's when I got it so and that's in coaching I think working with the person and their personality their mindset their challenging beliefs like there's so much to it business is just the vehicle you're working with the people and growing them and growing their mindset and their belief in themselves and their self-worth as well in the process 100 percent. and i know in your business you know we train the person not just the body you know you're training the whole person 
Listen, Alice, business is really simple and the fundamentals of business haven't changed since the Phoenician traders started sailing 8,000 years ago, the original business people. Phoenicia, by the way, happened to be a Lebanese and Lebanese are direct descendants of the Phoenicians. So there's generations here. But business, the fundamentals of business haven't changed since man started trading 8,000 years ago and the, mm. those Phoenician traders. Sure, we've got Facebook now and we can run Facebook ads, but before we had Facebook ads, one boat would go out and go to the port and say to everyone, hey, the boat's coming with the purple dye. The mechanisms may be different, but the fundamentals haven't changed. And so what that means is business is really simple and the tools wouldn't even be 20% of the, of the game. It wouldn't be 20%. This is all about the person, how they think. We've got to teach them how to think. We've got to teach them to check in on their own belief system and recalibrate their own belief systems. It's all about energetically how the person approaches the tools and the business, the belief Absolutely. systems, the environment of excellence that they can set themselves up in. That's the game. Definitely. And, and fitness is no different. You know, I say anyone can teach you to squat. But how do we get you to squat consistently, believe in yourself and have self-worth? Oh, so I can go to the McDonald's drive-thru and have a huge, overweight, entire family in the car at McDonald's drive-thru and say, what's the, what's the secret to health and vitality? They're going to say, eat right and exercise. They yeah, know. everyone knows. Everyone exactly. knows. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so this podcast, Cam, is about, because I could talk business all day with you, absolutely sit here. This could be a five-hour podcast on that. I Talking find it about so it's not a problem, Miles. Getting you to shut up about it, that's the hard part. <laughs> <laughs> but this podcast, Challenges That Change Us, mm. is really about diving deep into, you know, getting to where you are today. I think people don't realize that everyone has a story, you know, and that's what I really want to tap into to each of the people that I'm interviewing is what is one of the challenges that you have faced and how does it impact you today? And I don't know if something comes to mind straight away or there's oh, lots there. hundred percent. Something big comes to mind straight away. Look, the fundamentals of business haven't changed. That's just the tools of how we do things. Everything that I'm about is about how we shift our belief systems and who we become. Mm -hmm. And and I had the wonderful privilege growing up of being quite severely bullied, quite severe at some stage, you know. My name's Kamal. In a small town in country New South Wales, the only Lebanese family in town, like we own the family supermarket. There wasn't literally a person in town that wouldn't have known me. And so that made me a target for older bullies. And so, you know, the school bus into town was a nightmare. And then at school, more stuff would come up and, and it was quite, you know, there was a lot of mental anguish and emotional anguish there was actual physical danger and you know back in those days as well it wasn't uh, you kind of deal with it yourself and so getting in fights on the school buses and stuff even though i'm in year five and there's you know two year 12s having a go at me but you kind of you had to deal with it and to keep a smiley happy outward front was very challenging at times mm. and i didn't have the physical capabilities to defend myself as well and so there was a really as i look back on it now what a privilege and I can say that honestly, gosh, at the time it wasn't though. And, uh, mm. you know, because those those are defining moments and I didn't have the physical capability I was to defend myself. So I learned very quickly how to use brevity and humor and use a very quick wit in order to de-escalate a situation. The other thing was I developed a real sixth sense for people's energy as they're approaching me before they came, I, I can tell where someone's energy is now. Mm. I'm so highly attuned to, because it was a survival mechanism back then, but now I can be in a bar or in a cafe or talking to you and your energy hits me before your words do. And so yes. that's actually something it's that- It's almost I, a sixth sense. It's it like really this intuitive, is. yeah. It really is. And 
going back to that bullying, Cam, I know it has been a huge problem for generations and today it's shifting in the way that it looks in that we've got cyberbullying and but there still is that physical, social, mental, psychological bullying that's happening on a daily basis for many kids around the country. And I think sometimes it's hard for people to really understand what bullying is. You know, if you go through it, it is just something you know to your core mm. in that, that the way it made you feel, the safety and how that was jeopardized at the time. Would that be fair to say? 100%. 100%. And when you're even talking about it, does it feel like it's right there? Like it's not so far away, you could almost touch it? Um, no, look, there's been so much in a work now that there's a level of objectivity around it now. I don't go mm-hmm. into the fear state and I don't get triggered by outward things anymore. So even as a young adult, one of the big problems that we have in men in, in today's society is there's no killing off of the boy. And so we have these these boys walking around in men's body. These men aren't doing the inner work. And so they're getting triggered by the external environment and mm-hmm. in really unresourceful ways. It's coming up in relationships and abuse and self-abuse and all sorts of things are happening. But having done a lot of inner work on this now, Isles, there's an objectivity and the, the man can view it very differently. Yes. And there's no trigger now that would, there's no external influence that would set that off anymore. And that's, you know, one of the things we're going to be talking about in a moment. And I think this is why this podcast is so important is when we can, when we can go back and look at the things that we've gained, learned, how it's impacted us, it can really start to change that story a little bit on the experiences that we've had. Mm. Did it have an impact on you, Cam, when you were at school? Did it have an impact on your sleep, on your schoolwork? How did it show itself? Oh, yeah, definitely. There was a, not necessarily on sleep, but certainly uh, the self-image was just smashed and, and there was no, there was a non-worthiness no matter what. And so I would look around the school and find out where the cool kids were who were perceived as being the cool kids and I'd make sure I attached myself to that group. Now, thankfully, in the school that I was going to, the cool kids were the basketballers and so I attached myself to that group and pretended that I liked basketball. I love it now, by the way. But thankfully, that's where my focus went and I went deep into that, deep into sport and it was uh, so... By default, kind of, and by accident, had I gone with the other group that were more into smoking and drugs and experimentation, certainly that would have had more physiological impact and psychological Mm. impact. I just happened to, out of desperation, to be liked and accepted. I happened to attach to the cool kids in school, and that happened to be around sport, which is which does, as we know, wonderful things psychologically and physically and emotionally, and so and community wise um, and cultural. You know, being a part of something and yeah, being part of a team and yeah. So look, I was really guided by something bigger than me to to end up in there, and so thankfully I didn't have that deep anxiety. Certainly, I'd had there there were suicidal thoughts at, at times nothing I'd ever act on. I had a very strong message at home. Doesn't matter what's going on, we can always talk about it. Mm. Plus I had three mates and and this is a horrible thing in in country New South, young men killing themselves in country New South Wales. There were three mates that I knew personally growing up that committed suicide, you know, young men who were popular and for no outward reason, you know. And so having been exposed to that as well, I just, I was able to shut down those thoughts very quickly and um, thankfully had the type of family that just, I just, even though I didn't talk about the bullying with them, 
that was an undercurrent theme. Doesn't matter what's yeah. going on, we can always talk about it. We can always just... talk about because that was going to be my next question. Did you talk to anyone about it at the time? No, not necessarily. One or two mates knew, but um, having that thought in the back of my mind, there's nothing so big we can never talk about it. That meant that even when the things appeared really big, I'd have that thought, there's nothing so big we can't talk about. So having that thought impregnated in my mind was enough to be able to mm. deal with it, thankfully. It's interesting, you know, you, you have that little mantra and when I'm in a counselling room with people, I often ask them, you know, what was the language that you told yourself or what were those words that you heard from your parents that helped you go into the next chapter or kept you safe or, you know, I always knew that my mum loved me no matter what, didn't always love my behaviour, but mm -hmm. she always loved me as a person and that's something I try and replicate with the kids. And I actually got this one from you, Cam, is there's no problem we can't solve and mm. the kids and I say that every day. I'm like, there's no problem we can't solve. We might not know how we're going to solve it right now. It might feel huge, but there is no problem that when we put all our heads together that we can't solve and we can't get through as a family. Yeah. As you look back on your life, has there ever been a problem that's come your way that you haven't been able to work out? Mm. You know, and if the answer is yes, it's only it only is a yes answer when it's a problem that's happening for you right now in the moment, which is your next gift because you're going to work it out. We're only ever given problems that we're actually equipped to deal with, whether we know it or not. And so, even though when a big problem arises now, even though I don't know how I'm going to solve it, the internal dialogue is really important because it's like this is a massive problem. I've never faced anything like this before. All I know is I'm going to work this out. I don't know how, I just know that I will. And the other thing is, the bigger the problem, the better because as I now look back on my life, the worst moments in my life and the biggest problems that I have and the shittiest things that happened to me, as I look back on those moments, I go, well, actually, that's the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm. So when a massive problem comes my way today, I go jump into the future and look back at this moment in time and go, this is a really crappy problem, amazing. But it's going to lead me somewhere. Well, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I'm not going to mm. wait five years to say that. Why don't I just say it now? And the attitude with which you attack a problem just shifts dramatically and then the solutions just come pouring out. And, you know, I was thinking when you're talking that I was going to ask what were there any magical moments or any pivotal moments during that time, but that's what you're saying. It's like when you look back, some of the biggest decisions or some of the paths that you take because of what you went through now are like, wow, that has got me to where I am today. And that's where my strength has come from. Yeah. I remember the turning point and the day that the bullying stopped for me and it happened uh, one afternoon. It was a Wednesday afternoon. It was in year nine and I was at the bus shelter waiting for the afternoon bus to come back home. It was about a 40-minute ride in the bus and I noticed all of these kids were picking on this other little scrawny kid and bullying him and there was about five or six of them, you know, that would have been year 11 or 12 and this other kid was probably in year 8 or 9 different school scrawny and he just he was cowered against the wall lying, like sitting down almost fetal and these guys were just coming in and just hammering and hammering and I just I don't know what happened something switched in me that day and I literally just stood in front of those I stood between that kid and those boys I'd had enough and I said that's mm. it you want to fight someone fight me leave him alone and swearing and calling him whatever names I don't remember what I called them but I remember the energy of that moment standing there going you five you want to fight someone, fight me, leave him alone, mm. you jerks. Uh, you know, and I would have been beaten to a pulp. But the energy of that was that don't mess with me vibe, you know, and that was a pivotal moment that I can hold on to. Now, I never knew that anyone – it was a fleeting moment in time and they all left and away we went. And then my dad actually had made a, a speech at my 18th birthday. You're talking, oh, you know, five, four or five years later, I suppose – 
maybe three years later. And dad's like, oh, the proudest moment, I never knew dad knew this, but he said the proudest moment in my life was when this parent that I didn't know contacted me and rang me and just to let me know that their son was being bullied and that Kamal had stood up for them. And so that kid's parent, I had no idea that kid's parent had actually rung, um, found dad and, and rung him up and, and told him about that. And um, mm. that's something that dad held on to. So that was a really pivotal moment. That's when I said enough, I'm taking charge now. And then of course that also led into physically taking on Taekwondo and being able to be the person who can defend themselves. I don't do self-defense now. I call it self-protection. And then that led to a career of Taekwondo. I'm a second degree military Taekwondo instructor. I know eight ways to kill a man with my bare hands. <laughs> and I've run a program called Street-Based street Self-Defense for Women. And so the irony, of course, with something like that, that type of training, which is one of the first things I talk about in the in the women's self-protection course, is the more adept you become at defending yourself, the less you will ever need to use it. Mm-hmm. And that comes from that energetic exchange. Those boys could have pummeled me to the ground without even, a, without even thinking about it. But there was an energy that came with who I was in that moment that was the don't mess with me vibe and they turned tail and headed off. And that's what happened. So, and, and I talk about that in a physical sense from a Taekwondo self-protection sense. But now equate that to any problem that comes up in business stand in the same energy. And I'll teach you how to teach my people how to stand in that same energy. That problem's coming up. We'll stand two feet on the ground and say, Bree, is that all you got? You could come on. Like, give me a problem that really is going to be tough because that is nothing, even if it's a massive problem. And so it just, you know, what happens in one area of our life, Files, I believe, flows into all of our areas. And, and those pivotal moments, those defining moments, are energy that I tap into on a daily basis. Mm. Absolutely. And it sounds, you know, when you're talking like it was just one thing after another, but when you break that down, there's been so many strategies that you used as a young child, whether you knew it or not, Mm. to help you get through, you know, so whether it be going and choosing the cool kids and starting to play sports, sport alone, hanging out with different people, having a different lens that you look at it from going and getting some physical training so that you, whenever you're in a position, you know you can use it, but you don't need to use it. So it then comes and adds on to that energy of don't mess with me, I've got this. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode. If you are and you'd like to learn more or engage further with our podcast community, you can do this in our Facebook group. Just search for Challenges That Change Us on Facebook or look in the link in our show notes. In this group, we'll be sharing extra content and giving further background to our episodes. So I hope to see you there. But for now, let's get back to the episode. What would you say to your younger self now, if you look back and you had a conversation with Kamal at 10 or 12, what conversation would you have with him? Oh, this is one of those philosophical questions that come up. I don't know what is the answer, what would I say to myself? But I, when you ask me a question like that, I, I put myself in my role right now and say, well, I've got a son who's eight. That was my next question. <laughs> I wanted to go to you and then ask, what would you say to your son? Yeah, and certainly a lot of the inner work that I've done, I've traveled back to that, you know, eight. 10, 12-year-old me and we've sat had conversations, you know, in an energetic space. And so going back is the conversation would just be, really, you've got this. And doesn't matter how how tough it is, you've got it. And nothing's broken you so far. And so when those tough things come along, they're trying to break you. And so it's up to you to decide. So really make your own decision. You know, I, I, I take that pivotal moment in year nine where it's like that could have broken you but you, you brought so much different energy, that's the conversation I'll be having with 10-year-old me. 
is how to bring mm. that bring that energy and and um, yeah, 100% you've got this. Hearing you talk about your son is that it's also having that conversation over and over and over again. It's not a one-off conversation. It's not something you just say to your child and then hope that they're going to grab hold of it with the like all the energy that you grabbed hold of it in year nine. Like you had years of building to get to that moment that you finally felt that power and that energy in that moment. So with your son, when you're talking to him, it's about having those repeated conversations and telling story and talking about it and then saying, well, there is no problem we can't solve. Well, it took me four or five years to get there. And, you know, like I said at the start of this call, the number one thing I do for clients is we collapse their trial and error time. And so where it took me five years to get to that point where I could stand up and say, no, you know, you want to fight someone, fight me and, and own that energy. Uh, now I can I can have that as a you know, a conversation that's an undercurrent conversation mm. with my kids on a daily basis so that rather than getting five years to get to that point, well, they can do it in five minutes mm. or five seconds and so they can tap into it when they need. Then other stuff's going to come up for them to work out and that's, you know, I don't know what their journey is and, and what their purpose is. This was definitely for me to learn and endure in order to make an impact on the world and so my kids won't go through that same thing. They'll have their own thing and you mm. know what, when they do, they'll just have that, there's nothing we can't work out. There's nothing we can't work out. And it's as a parent myself, it's something that I remind myself when I feel like, are we doing a good job? You know, every parent gets wobbly and wonders if they're doing the right thing by their children. And whenever that comes up, I think, well, you know what? I've worked with a lot of people in a counseling room and everyone comes with a story from their parents or from their childhood. And it's about unpacking and understanding who you are and how it's impacted you and what you're going to do with that. So just before we finish up, Kamal, I was wondering whether you'd be comfortable talking about some of that journey, you know, the adult journey, some of the things that you've done, because you keep talking about, you know, in the last five years, I've done a lot of self-work and I've spoken to that young boy. What what was that? What did you do? Where well, did you go? Who yeah, did you talk to? Great. So I've, I've worked on a lot of modalities, um, some of which uh, maybe shouldn't mention in a public forum, but I'm going to anyway because I, I to my soul, believe in it. But uh, look, I've done things. I spent a year and a half studying with Buddhist monks. Every Thursday from 10 to 1, I went to the – there's a monastery down the road from where I live, and I'd go and study meditation and, and the dharmas, born and bred Catholic. So, you know, my Catholic parents will be horrified to hear, but uh, studied uh, Zen philosophy, and that's – you know, all about attachment and there is no form and uh, went really, really deep with that. Done a lot of work around and utilizing sacred plant medicine. And this is not the, you know, the plant medicine where you just take your take your mushies to get a high, but actually sacred, sacred medicines that have been passed down from well, different different ancient cultures and, and shamans. And so I've actually sat with some plant medicines. When you say plant medicine for the people that are listening, do you mean different herbs created together to heal the mind and to heal the body? Yeah. So there's look, there's there's um, grandmother, which is ayahuasca, which technically I don't know that it's technically legal, but it's um, you know it's been used by uh, Peruvian cultures for for centuries, potentially thousands of years, and under working under people who have studied the sacredness of the plant, it takes you to other dimensions and other portals. And you know the things that the things that modern science is now tapping onto. You know they're using magic mushrooms now in psychotherapy and for people mm. with depression and they're actually mm. now going oh maybe there's something in this well no duh. the ancients have been look you can use this stuff to get high and have a fun weekend 100% I'm not into that at all but under under some very specific guidance and going through specific journeys it opens up and allows you to face 
it allowed me to face parts of myself that I just would otherwise have been unseen and and not all the good stuff. Very you know? hidden, very hidden parts. Yeah, yeah, and stand face to face with the shadow side as well, and actually embracing and owning. Well, hang on, I can't be all light. Light doesn't exist without dark. So, mm. what's the shadow side? And and really facing that as well, and doing it in an environment that's very nurturing and protected, but then just allows full expression. And there's a uh, you come out of an experience like that change forever. There's a real transformation that takes place in the best possible way. And I'm just going to pause you there because I think this is really at the essence of what we're doing here is that so many people live with this hidden part of self or um, shame that they think is no good. They don't want it. They push it down, push it down, push it down. And what you're talking about is getting that curious mind and exploring and understanding and getting that self view of these are all parts of who I am and my journey is my journey you know you can't go back and change it but you can certainly do something with it yeah and and really embracing it you know I mean if you if you go to a doctor I'm not saying don't go to a doctor or don't go to a site do do what you you know do what of course you're supposed to do but my personal philosophy in this is you go because you want to talk about something of your shadow self and so Mm. they're going to pop you on antidepressants to try and well no that's not part of the human experience is to is to have that shadow you can't have the light without the dark and so Mm. learning to face it and embrace it and that's been a huge part of my journey not everyone's you know equipped to just go off and face their demons right away but certainly there's a pathway for everyone whatever that path is but rather than trying to fight it which i did for so long it's like well hang on a minute what if i actually just own this and how do i Mm. actually see it for what it is but sometimes I think, to be fair, and tell me if this is right, uh, you don't even know that it's hidden. Like it no. just kind of oh. it just kind of snaps out or all of a sudden you're really reactive and you're like, whoa, yeah. what just happened in that moment? Or you might not even have that awareness. Here's the, here's the killer. Here's how you know if it's hidden. When something happens and you react to it and you point your finger at another person and go, you made me feel mm-hmm. X, you did this or you are that. When you're pointing your finger at someone saying that, that's something inside of you that is completely hidden because just take a moment and work out where those other three fingers are pointing. There's an old uh, Hebrew saying that uh, we can only see in the world that which is within us. It's never somebody else. No one can make you feel happy, sad, angry. No one can make you feel anything. And so one of the one of the little red flags or one of those indicators that you're onto something big about yourself is when you're saying you make me feel something mm. or when you react angrily or unresourcefully towards someone else. Or when you find that you're butting up against someone. You know, I think you learn more about yourself in a time of conflict than you do in any moment of joy and easygoing and, you know, being with the person you love and everything's rosy. It's when you hit that kind of barrier, the barrier condition, or you hit the value barrier that you can really look at what's happening for you. Here's what I believe to be true, Wales. You're never butting up against someone else. You're never getting angry and arguing with somebody else, ever. Mm. No matter what's going on. When you really learn to take accountability, full accountability and ownership of your life and everything in it, you just hold up a mirror and that's who you're really arguing with. That's who you're really Mm. butting up against. Yeah. So the action of that other person is triggering something within you and that's that's why you're upset. Yeah. It takes a strong person or someone that's prepared to step into that face of 
uncertainty to really look at that. Yeah, it only it comes down to a choice, Arles. It's like I'm now taking charge of my life. I'm done with this, done with feeling a victim, done with feeling like other people could have any influence on how I feel. It's time for me to, to step up. And it's that microsecond of choice that will, it's that one degree, that 1% of change that you make in that microsecond of choice that will then set the pathway you can't, it's the blue pill in the matrix. Once you've made that choice and you take that 1% step, you can't undo it and it mm. will start to show. This didn't all come to me in, you know, in, in a weekend. That was, I was just about to say. <laughs> what we're talking about here for anyone that's listening that's like, whoa, I'm going to go out and do it. This is not an overnight conversation. This no. can take years and I don't know that we ever stop learning about ourselves and oh, our reactions. God, no, absolutely not. It, it's like the mountain with, you know, I, years ago I did Kokoda, the Kokoda track and there's one of the mountains called the Nine False Peaks and it's one of those days, it's the hardest day of this and you look up and there's the peak and you go, oh my God, I'm almost there, this is great and then you get to that peak and you look ahead and there's another peak and it's like, oh my God, it's just mentally, it's just, there's nine false peaks on this mountain and and that's kind of what this journey's like. It's a, a there's a destination that you'll never get, you'll never get to and mm. but that's not about getting to a destination now that this is unraveled now i get to go and say oh my gosh what's next and oh my god what oh my god look at that darkness inside of me holy cow i had no idea that was there mm. and we just and it just it's a real journey but it starts the microsecond that you decide to make that change yes and for someone that has that moment of clarity what advice do you have for them like where can they go what can they try what's that first step because going from zero to one is sometimes the hardest yeah the hardest going from zero to one is making the decision you don't need to know where to go or what to do when you actually decide it when you declare anything Paulo Coelho in The Alchemist says when you want anything bad enough the whole universe will conspire to give it to you and that's the truth here as well when you say I've had enough I'm making a change with this and you declare that to the universe your vibration shifts and so you'll start to you don't i don't need to say go here and read that book or go and see that person or do that thing when you make the decision inside of yourself something shifts around the way you interact with your outside world your vibration will shift and the thing that you were going oh my gosh what a coincidence and now this thing's crossed my lap Mm. every single time if you try to force it then that's the ego getting involved so my recommendation for anyone in that position is make the decision that's it and then just watch what happens because it'll get placed on a silver platter right in front of you Mm. amazing advice i think we all go through this at some point in our life if not on a weekly daily basis you know so it, it really resonates listening to you talk about that part in me and the part in the people that i work with that kind of vibrates and you know that part that you're sometimes like oh there it is i don't know if i like that part but really harnessing that and and taking full control of that because it is you get one one life one mind, one body, that is it. Yeah, 100%. And on this journey, you're going to stuff it up as well. It's like in the business journey Many as well. Times. You know, we talk about people falling over and skinning their knee and, you know, on the business journey and they go, oh, I should just go back and get a job. Or people go down this self-development path and go, oh, my God, maybe I'm just beyond saving or, you know, and, and so they, they stop because they're trying to get somewhere. But, you know, Arles, when at what point does a baby give up trying to walk because it's mm. fallen over a few times, you know? Just who you are is growth and and self-love and so if that becomes who you are there's no end and Mm. it just it's a it's an ever deepening hole it's beautiful space to live into 
It's been lovely listening to you, Kamal, um, and it's a very different perspective to what a lot of people will hear or may have heard before. That's what I really love about it, you know, and you you clearly have done so much work over the years to get to where you are today. And like we said, that's not the end of the journey. It's not even close to the end of the journey, but just knowing that that, that has helped you move into that next chapter of your life. One of the questions that I really love to um, wrap up with is always because it makes makes us all laugh, but who in your world makes you belly laugh or what in your world? Ma- and when I say belly laugh, I mean like really deep in your soul laugh. Oh my God. Those two idiots that run around my house, the two little monkeys that call themselves my kids, <laughs> they are nut jobs. Like they're absolutely nuts. And so, uh, you know, I was on a, <laughs> I was on a call. They were on, they were on holidays with their mum the other day and I was on a call and they'd been, I think, out under the sprinkler or something, I don't know. Anyway, they're both naked as the day they were born. And halfway through the conversation, like just out of nowhere, Eli, my little boy, stands up and he gets up on the lounge. So he's got, you know, penis full flight in front of the camera and he starts showing me his helicopters. I mean, <laughs> how can you take life seriously when you got that crap going on? I'm trying to run a legitimate business here. And here he is, you know, just, hands behind his head doing yep. these. Hey, Dad, look at my helicopter. Woo. That happens on a daily on a daily basis. It's so beautiful. It's that free spirit of a child, isn't it? It's that it's just there's just something about some purity and joy that comes with children that hundred percent. It's a shame we can't just capture that and bottle that. For well, the rest I of do our it lives. on calls with my clients and they complain about it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. oh, thank you so much, Kamal. Thanks that for has having been me, extremely Als. valuable. And I hope that everyone takes a lot away from this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the only way you can say thank you, if any of this has worked for you, the only way you can say thank you to me is just do that one little percent. Just make that make that mm. choice that your life's going to be different from this point on. And I promise you, everything, everything will line out in front of you and it's going to be tough and it's 100% going to be worth it. I promise. And trust, trust that process. Yeah. Thanks, Alice. There was a lot of take-home messages from today's episode. As you heard us both talk about the mantras that we use, there is no problem we can't solve or there is no problem too big we can't talk about it. I use both of these on a daily basis. I always get really excited when grown men talk about doing inner child work. Maybe it's the therapist in me, but I truly believe we can all benefit from understanding our inner child and our inner workings. It can be the trick to turning unresourceful reactions into resourceful actions. I would love to know your biggest takeaway from this episode. So pop it in our group chat on Challenges That Change Us Facebook group. And I really look forward to next week and I will see you all then. Thank you everyone for listening and taking the time out of your day. I believe we can learn so much from connecting with other people's experiences and stories. I hope you've gained some strategies and insight from today's episode. You can gain more by joining our Facebook group, Challenges That Change Us, or next week we will return with another episode.